Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today is time for a Mercado Classic, which yes. is what we call it whenever we uh, return back to our time-tested format <laughs> on this show. What yeah. we have today is an incredible playlist of incredible video game music from uh, the recently released Kirby and the Forgotten Land. It's so fun to do this spotlight on a game that is just over a month old. Uh, me and Joe have been playing this game over this past month, having an absolute blast and loving the music. This is an amazing soundtrack, one of my favorites in the series, I gotta say. And that says something because this is such a consistent series musically. Uh, yeah, this is a perfect time to do a Mercado Classic to spotlight on the Forgotten Land. Yeah, and we thought that it would be fun to do um, this kind of episode this week just in contrast because the last episode that we did was, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily specifically about game music. It was very mm -hmm. much a different format, which, you know, I've been really enjoying some of these new kinds of episodes that we've been exploring Me in too. this sort of post 500 era that we're in on our podcast uh but we also just wanted to assure all of our listeners um it, not that anyone's necessarily been worried about this but just for those of you who do kind of hunger for the kind of typical uh time-tested marcado very formula. comfortable <laughs> that's yeah. that's what uh we have in store for you today and i think with a soundtrack like this that's really the best way to cover it i mean i think yeah. the reason why our podcast um began the way it did where we sort of had this structure of it's always varied between you know 18 and 21 tracks is always where we've always mm -hmm. tried to keep our uh, number of pieces of music that we talk about and i think it's because in the beginning our focus was almost exclusively on older you know 8 and 16 bit right games and game music and so much of that stuff uh, can really be enjoyed and appreciated entirely outside of its context. Well, I got to say that Forgotten Land is my favorite example of video game music because it absolutely can be enjoyed just listening to it, you know, on Spotify or on this podcast without any context. But I will say that playing the game, it serves the stages so well. So really, it's, you know, it's, it's a double whammy. Um, mm -hmm. I'm excited to get into this music. It's really cool because it seems like for the future Kirby games, they're they're kind of moving into a new generation of composers, possibly. At least that's what it feels like uh, with this soundtrack, but it's really great because we still have the classic two. Uh, so what we have for the list of composers, we have Yuta Ogasawara, who's actually the lead composer on this game, did some outstanding work. Uh, Hirokazu Ando, of course. Jun Ishikawa, of course. And then Yuki Shimuka. Uh, so we have two new names and two old names, and everyone did an outstanding job on the score it's it's just so fun yeah it really seems like kind of the best possible option because it is crazy we've always praised the kirby series for having such a small roster of composers mm -hmm. and knowing that ando and ishikawa have really been but at the some composers point you, ha done you have to pass game. the torch yeah and i mean almost every game series has a pretty long roster at this point i mean there were the days when you could say that like 
yeah, pretty much every Zelda and Mario game was done by Koji Kondo. Uh, but mm-hmm. that that was, what was that, like 40 years ago or something? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. I'm obviously exaggerating. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it, I'm glad that Kirby is making the transition just for those two, because I imagine it's, it's quite a lot of pressure, especially well, also, when you consider this... the, the Kirby series has been a rather active one pretty consistently. Forgotten Land is a massive score. And so Ishikawa did a lot of pieces of music on this. Ando did a lot of music on this. So they really did need the assistance. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm just so excited to get into this. That that track we played in with "Running Through the New World" it's one of the first pieces you hear in the game. It features basically the main theme of Forgotten Land, which is so delightful. I will say that playing this game, it definitely reminds me of Mario Odyssey a bit. There are there are even some moments where it feels like, oh, this is maybe a little bit of a ripoff of something that I either felt in Odyssey or maybe even Mario Sunshine at times. Um, but yeah, the music is is so Kirby, so good. Uh, let's move on to a Jun Ishikawa composition. This is Through the Tunnel, again from Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Enjoy. You guys are listening to Through the Tunnel, composed by Ishikawa from Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Uh, a really interesting piece of music. It feels Kirby, but it also feels like maybe we haven't heard this exact emotion before in the series. And that's one of the things I love about Forgotten Land, is there are some pieces of music that are quite different and quite unique. Um, but there's plenty of classic Kirby vibes in here as well. This is a really solid piece of music. Well, and one of the advantages to uh, something like this where you have the original composers working on the soundtrack, much like Koji Kondo's contributions to the Super Mario Odyssey soundtrack, is sometimes Mm -hmm. they're actually less precious with some of the idiomatic staples of the given series obviously you know nobody knows the sound of kirby better than jun ishikawa and hirokazu ando uh but because they're the authors of it they're they might almost be the first ones to try to push the boundaries or step outside i think that was the case um i gotta say that like that track we played in with which was so kirby so classic that was in ogasawara yeah and that's exactly what i mean where it's like sometimes if you're listening to a soundtrack like i know we had this with odyssey all the ones that feel like classic mario like new dong Mm -hmm. city and the um uh the first stage i forget what it's called fossil falls or whatever yeah um 
your first instincts are to be like, oh, well, that's probably Mahito Yakoda, and this is probably Koji Kondo, because they sound like pieces you've heard before. Yet, for him, he doesn't have the same, ah, yes, this esteemed Mario series, and I need to put something up on the shelf with the others. Maybe he's more open to experimentation. Well, yeah, I think... For a composer like Ishikawa or Kondo who's been working on a series for so long, I think it's really fun to keep pushing the envelope and keep going in new directions uh, while, while still feeling like it. none of this music doesn't fit Kirby. Like, especially for the stages that you're playing, all of it fits like a glove. And some of the stages are, are diverse. I mean, there are really cute, happy stages. There are stages that are more dark and vibey. So there's just a lot of different types of music that is called for. Yeah, I think that it's a particular challenge whenever a composer is tasked with working on an entry in a beloved series, especially something like this, where it's a kind of ambitious new entry that's sort of a reimagining of the, you know, this not that it's a reboot, but Forgotten Land is definitely the biggest swing Nintendo has done with Kirby in arguably decades like it's a Mm -hmm. they're they're really trying to make a front and center i'd say the last time they did something this bold would be like kirby's epic yarn that was the last time to me where it felt like they're saying okay stand back we've really put this it's really successful i gotta say i am loving this game and definitely enjoying it more than most kirby games in my opinion. Maybe that's just because I'm such a Mario guy. <laughs> it kind of reminds me more of Mario games. But yeah, it's it's really, really but, and fun. So, but anyways, my, my point is that I think when writing for uh, an established franchise, but for one of these new, whether it's something like Galaxy or Odyssey, where it's like they're kind of... They're turning a new chapter. There's a lot of pressure to, to make something that feels like it's within that universe. But mm-hmm. you also want to make something that feels like specific to Forgotten Land in no other Kirby game. And so far, yep. it seems like they're doing a good job of That's that. That's the case. Let's let's play an Ando composition. Really fun. This is a very memorable stage. It takes place in a shopping mall. Let's take a listen to A Trip to Olivel Mall. You guys are listening to A Trip to Olivelle Mall. This is composed by Hirokazu Ando from Kirby in the Forgotten Land. This soundtrack and this game are just so fun. I'm just having such a great time. I really enjoyed just listening to the whole score. Um, I haven't be- We haven't beaten this game yet, so a lot of the music we have gotten to 
Um, but I just enjoyed listening to the whole thing to prepare for this episode and then going back and playing it. it it's just, oh man, it's such a good time. Yeah, this is, this is a really cool track. I love the combination, the quirky combination of instruments. You have synth bass, you have drum kit, you also have some orchestral instruments, and it's just really happy music. It's interesting. I do feel like, as always, Ishikawa and Ando are on the same page. It's like they're attached mm-hmm. at the hip. I've always had a difficult time sort of discerning what makes each of their individual styles because they're so versatile and they have such a clear sense of what is Kirby, but not just what is Kirby, what is the specific game? Because if you think about a track like Ripple Field, that doesn't really necessarily... Like, that track could be in any Kirby game, right? Yet Mm -hmm. there are some other tracks in that same soundtrack that have this, like, laid-back, funk sort of style that it's like, okay... You yeah. couldn't do that in every Kirby game. And this music is a similar thing, where there are certain pieces that, or certain elements of a composition that feel like this is just the DNA of this character, of this franchise. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily recognize their thumbprint. That's what I'm always so impressed with by them, is like they can write in such a specific style. They're so diverse. Yet you almost don't hear their personal thumbprint in the music. I know what you sense. mean. I wanted to say one more time that there's so many great pieces of music that we had to whittle out and that we don't have time for today. So we're going to be going back to the soundtrack, Fear Not. Uh, we hope that some of your favorites are included on today's episode. This is a lot of people's favorite. It's such a jam. It's Abandoned Beach. This one was composed by Ishikawa. And it's classic Kirby. It really reminds me of uh, Kirby 64, maybe a little bit of Dreamland 3. It's such a happy beach theme. So good. Let's take a listen to Abandoned Beach. You guys are listening to Abandoned Beach, which I love. It's one of my favorites from The Forgotten Land. This is composed by Ishikawa. It's such a jam. It's just so relaxing. I love the groove. I love the bass. I love the melody. 
Uh, this is one of the pieces where I, I will say that if they were able to get some real performance, I think it would take it to the next level, but it's still absolutely delightful. In, again, another example of it's like, what young composer is this that's bringing this fresh new take <laughs> on the style? It's like, yeah. this is Ishikawa? It just... It's so... But it fits Kirby's at the same time so well. It absolutely fits, uh, yet it's kind of bringing it into... What I love about how Kirby music has evolved is I feel like the original underlying aesthetic of the original games is now sort of the jumping off point or like the subtext of the music almost that some of the surface level genre features have nothing to do with it, yet within the composition are these very Kirby-like elements, whether it's aspects of the melodic rhythm or a particular instrument that it's in, short phrases, the kinds of harmonies. Yet the, the composition overall, the way it sounds, the production, the arranging... It has really, I mean, I would say this about something like Planet Robobot as well. I mean, I feel like all the recent Kirby games, um, they've been taking, I think, larger steps outside of the, you know, just idiomatic Kirby well, thing. Well, and what's a what's a real gift with this game is there's opportunities to do everything it's a it's a pretty big game and there's so much music in it that there are plenty of opportunities where it feels like this is classic comfortable familiar kirby and then there's opportunities to go in a new direction and that's one of the one of the gifts about this game one thing that i wanted to talk about and you know this is a discussion that (laughs) is just kind of an ongoing thing with nintendo that we've talked about for years but it's endlessly fascinating um how they choose to uh, give, or in this case, not give uh, huge budgets to their soundtracks. They Mm -hmm. clearly appreciate the value of music because they continue to employ stellar composers. And um, it also shows your value. It shows their values that they care more about having high quality, memorable compositions with catchy melodies than they do about the production or implementation of the virtual instruments sounding really real or hiring real musicians, you know? It's fascinating when you see the difference between series, like how they approached Mario Odyssey and the budget that that clearly had for the music and then how they approach this. I mean, there's there's a lot of music here and it would have been very expensive. And I love Odyssey and there's a lot that I love, you know, about like Breath of the Wild, but it's like... Mario and Zelda are the two biggest video game characters of all time. And there's still plenty of virtual instrument stuff in those Mm -hmm. soundtracks. Like, they didn't have that big a budget. Again, it's just like the quality of the composition sort of surpasses the limitations. It's the same thing with like, you know, something like Wind Waker or Twilight Princess. Those are beloved, revered soundtracks. But, I mean, they easily could have been you know, afforded a a real orchestra yeah. and Ben. I more I think that this this score could have worked. It works so well. I love it. But it could have been taken to the next level just with a handful of tracks that featured real right. performance. It doesn't it didn't need a lot of even them. just soloists. Yeah. It's like the orchestral stuff having virtual instruments, there is sort of a charm to that. There's something kind of cheeky and artificial. And some that- of the like more electronic tracks it, it it's perfect as is but yeah there's a few moments and i think abandoned beach would be one of them it'd be very special yeah i mean i think like i wish they could get whoever produces 
any of the you know like sonic lost world or mario and sonic at the <laughs> olympic games like because a lot of this music don't you think it's in sort of a complementary style uh-huh. to that i just wish it right. could be executed with that same level of polish because the composition deserves it the music is so good i agree this is a really fun throwback kind of 80s kind of mj vibe track it's invasion at the house of horrors here we go This is such a fun track. It's Invasion at the House of Horrors, composed by Ishikawa here. It's so fun. He's having a blast with this track. It really reminds me of some of his earlier compositions in the series, while also just doing something very different. This is a really fun stage. There's at least, there's maybe a couple stages that uh, this music scores. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, this is, this is a highlight. When I got to the stage, I was just jamming out yeah there are certain aspects to this that i i actually just in referencing our earlier conversation i feel like i hear ishikawa's thumbprint particularly in the b section some of the melodic rhythms like da, mm-hmm. da, 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 like that kind sure. of rhythm is so kirby yet the production and the chords and the vibe of this track is so specific and so different from i guess the status quo but another example about how these og composers are changing it up i love an eclectic game soundtrack because um to me it's just sort of unmistakably retro old school game music used to be so eclectic and i think partially we didn't necessarily appreciate it because there was a homogeny that happened when everything was coming through you know, the sound of right. the Genesis or Super Nintendo or NES. Yeah, I, I want to celebrate this track because we were talking about production before, but the production in this track is a 10 out of 10. It's perfect. I wouldn't change anything about it. Obviously, it, it helps that it's going for a synth pop <laughs> sound. I mean, you don't right. need any real players on this one. So that that helps. The genre is informing that. Right. But in any case, it's just, it's just, it nails it. It's such a fun and a little creepy track. For a fun and creepy yeah, and there's, stage. There's, there's humor to it in the way, and I know that this is sending up, I think, pop music of the 80s, yet it yeah. reminds me of video game music of the 80s, because while there's so much humor in this music, there is an earnestness underneath to the composition. Yeah. Like, if you played it on the piano, yeah, and- you, you wouldn't necessarily get that same humor. 
I got to say that earnestness is one of my favorite elements of the score. And we're going to hear a lot of it today in the melodies. Uh, and actually, the, what we're moving on to is a great example. It's a really pretty melody. This is kind of a nostalgic melancholy track. It reminds me of kind of 60s pop, maybe. It just has that kind of sad, <laughs> nostalgic sound. Uh, let's take a listen to Welcome to Wondaria. Quirky and delightful piece of music. Welcome to Wondaria. I really like this track. Uh, it's kind of sending up maybe some 60s music, some production music, elevator music possibly. Um, but it's it's also really fitting for the character and so fitting for the stage or series of stages. There's a bit of a sadness, a, a, just a hint of sadness in this track. But it's, it's very beautiful. Yeah, and uh, that sort of quality that happens in a lot of Ishikawa's compositions for this series where we have a, a very, very simple A section melody that uh-huh. is uh, these kind of pure rhythms, very elemental. It's almost just in a fixation, really. It's like it's obsessed with just a, a handful of pitches. But yet, mm-hmm. then we have this B section that's this delightful, jazzy sequence. And what's great about, you know, we talked in our last episode the importance of contrast in a composition. And I think there's a specific kind of contrast that happens a lot in the Kirby series. Now, clearly, this track stylistically is different from a lot, but what is consistent to something like what you'd get in Dreamland 3, for instance, is that contrast mm. that the the A section, I think the primary focal point is that melody because the chords are sort of minimal or unchanging. They have a very basic uh-huh. diatonic progression. Yet the B section, the focal point is the harmony, these shifting, descending, jazzy sequences. Well, also, it's, it's it's such a great track because there's a lot of repetition, a lot of simplicity to it, especially on the onset, but it's a pretty long form, and so you get plenty of exploration in, in the later you know, kind of half of, of the piece. So really, it and, and also I got to say that too, like the length of these stage themes are so perfect in game. They're just long enough so you, you, so you don't get sick of them at all. 
but they're long enough so that you do hear them a few times, probably, maybe like three to four times before you beat the stage. So that's another thing I think is just perfect is the length that they went with. Uh, a lot of these stage themes are kind of of a similar length, and it just works so well in game. Yeah, that's awesome. I haven't played this one yet, but I can't wait to. It's so fun. Yeah, it's 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 a really, really good time. So uh, as we look at the remainder of our playlist, uh, there are a lot of Ando compositions. And so I would say that um, I heard that Ogasawara was considered the lead composer, but in my mind, Ando maybe had the most tracks out of anyone, at least that made our playlist. <laughs> we can say that. Uh, let's move on to an Ogasawara composition. This is Sword of the Surviving Guardian. <laughs> Sword of the Surviving Guardian, composed by Yuta Ogasawara, and the first time today that we're hearing the use of the guitar, and in my mind, I feel like all the guitar in the score is also virtual, um, but that is an instrument, uh, especially when it's distorted, that you can get some pretty convincing sounds these days. But in any case, yes, there's a lot of guitar actually in the score, and I got the sense that Ogasawara was was kind of setting the tone for all the rest of the composers. Um, Definitely composed a lot of the really prominent, important themes. And, and yeah, possibly set the tone of, of what the game could be. And yeah, it, this is a really cool track. It's rocking. It also is orchestral. It's exciting. Really well composed. It's interesting. I do hear, like, I don't know all of the libraries that Nintendo uses, but I know that they have certain ones that they like to use. Because, like, for instance, that trumpet, I recognize it from A Link Between Worlds. Like, that's the yeah. same virtual uh-huh. instrument that uh, Ryo Nagamatsu uses in that game. And I'm sure it's also used in, like, Nintendo Land and a bunch of other things. Yeah, I didn't... Um when listening to the score, I didn't have any track where I was feeling like it was real guitar, but I think it works very well, and I think very there's a lot much. of people that ha- would have no idea that it's not real. Yeah, and again, the the composition, I mean, the thing that... I think we'd be a broken record if every track were like, what a great melody, what an energetic and fun, unique composition, but that really has been the case. Everything we've played today has been in a completely distinct and eclectic style, um, we'll have some nice changes though too, which I'm excited about. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's 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 been fun the variety so far, and kind of I'd say in general, um, 
if there's a spectrum between holding very firm to the pre-established musical idiom for in this case with Kirby it's pretty well defined we have so many titles <laughs> by you know mostly Ishikawa and Andu that have established a really specific style uh, mm -hmm. as far as most Kirby games go this one is taking more chances and willing to step outside of that mold more than perhaps I've ever heard mm -hmm. I think it makes you feel like you're getting more for your money that it's like you're yeah. not just getting you know this year's Kirby game you're getting kind of you know this decade's Kirby game if that makes sense yeah I mean in the first 3D Kirby game I gotta say that every element of this game feels very fresh and the music too I mean uh, and I got to say that I wasn't a really huge fan of the last Switch Kirby game. Just as a game, I love the soundtrack. Um, but yeah, this game, the music is just so fresh. It feels like right out of the dryer, just soft and warm and feels and sounds so good. Uh, let's move on to a really relaxing piece of music. It's Waddle D Town. You can go back to this town and kind of upgrade and hang out. This is composed by Ando. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Waddle D Town. Yeah, I, I really like Waddle D Town. It's, it actually reminds me a little bit of Animal Crossing. It has kind of that vibe to it. Uh, there's always something nice about taking a break from the stages and you know going back to a hub and just relaxing. And there's some different games you can play and you can upgrade your abilities. And this music is really charming. You know what's great is there's nothing like a Nintendo composer to just illustrate... <laughs> and give you a master class in how to write a simple and effective tune. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's something that I think you can take for granted when you're inundated with so much great, rich, melodic video game music like this. Uh, but what's cool about a track like this is, to me, it avoids a lot of the tropes and cliches of town music. Oh, doesn't it? Yeah, it's actually, like, harmonically, it's a little spicy. I mean, this is not like a simple textbook piece of music harmonically. Yeah, well, and even the arrangement and everything with the melodica and it's sort of higher mm -hmm. energy, it definitely gives you all of the emotions and feelings that you would want from a town theme, but it doesn't resort to some of the pre-established musical cliches that certain games do. Not to say that cliche is bad necessarily. I mean, I that's often what your your a composer is going for, but it's it's fun to hear. And again, I think it's because a composer like Ando 
has so many decades under his belt and this sense of craft. Mm -hmm. And I think he knows melodically how to craft something that gives you the right feeling. Like certain notes, like, yeah, da, da, da. Like there's something about that. It's sort of outlining like a suspended triad, but it gives you, yeah, it's calming. It's sort of docile. It gives you this feeling of home content. And how many times does this happen in the series? Like, you know, you're at this little charming home world, which should be very calming and relaxing, which it is. But there's also this energy to it's it. It's Kirby. You, know? you got to have energy. Kind of a high energy track. Um, so I wanted to showcase a piece of music by one of the new composers for this week's track of the week. I got to say this piece of music stopped me in my tracks when I was playing the game and going through the soundtrack. This is in the snow area. Um, there's a couple of really great snow stage themes. This is one of them. It's Northeast Frost Street, and it's composed by Yuta Ogasawara. It's really calming and beautiful and such a change of pace, I got to say, energy-wise. But it's a highlight for me, for sure. Let's take a listen to Northeast Frost Street. guys listening to northeast frost street and will nailed it and it's the exact same feeling i had he said it's like if chrono trigger was turned (laughs) into a kirby track oh my god yeah a lot of jrpg vibes on this but it's so adorable and i gotta say uh there's some real guitar on this one so one of the few moments in the score where we do have a little bit of real performance oh it's so beautiful i love everything about this okasawara just is coming out swinging on this track so good man yeah i'm very impressed by this i love the melody i love really every aspect of the composition i love the sort of six eight groove 
um, mm-hmm. in that sort of that laid final back string feeling. section melody is absolutely gorgeous, very I mean, like, beautiful. To be able to incorporate that kind of film music beauty, that complexity and romantic, you know, emotion with you know, there's like funky guitar and like funky bass and like Will said that great groove. There's just so much coming together on a track like this. Well, and I think why we mentioned something like Chrono Trigger is really that uh, the kind of jazz language and the mysterious, the mixture of modes, you know, and uh, that sort of surprising borrowed chord sensation. Mm. What's cool about so much great anime, Japanese film music, and video game music is that there's this beautiful collage of elements of it's sort of like jazz, pop, and classical all molded into this one uh, unified aesthetic that it, it it takes all these elements freely without necessarily... It, it sort of divorces them of their initial context and connotation and create something mm-hmm. entirely new. And I think that's true in Chrono Trigger and that's true in this game. It's true in yeah. almost every, you know, classic JRPG soundtrack or the music of Joe Hisaishi where it's like you actually break down the harmonies, you can notice uh, a distinctly maybe um you know, later half of the 20th century jazz songwriting kind of approach to his voicings and everything. But the music feels neoclassical. Yeah, what I love about this track, and you can hear Ogasawara's influences in the kind of music that maybe Ogasawara grew up on and was inspired by. You can hear a lot of that. Right. And it's a pretty diverse set of influences. What a standout piece of music. We're going to go back in a little bit to another ice theme. Well, and also to us, it just sounds like video game music because that is a style, that is a genre in and of itself. And I think, yeah, I... You have to imagine Ogasawara grew up. I mean, you don't become a video game composer at in this day and age unless you grew up playing games and loving games and loving games. I would music. love to hear an interview with all four of these composers. Um, so let's move to a bit of a bonus stage theme. There's these really fun treasures stages. Uh, this is Dazzling Treasures, composed by Ando. Let's take a listen. This is a really fun and devious, jazzy piece of music. Very video gamey. Dazzling treasures. Really like the organ patch. Uh, funky bass writing. Ando's bass lines are always so active and charming. Yeah, great melody on this. 
Very, a lot of yeah, great melody, great chord changes. Uh, we're hearing some of those um, reminding me of Rockman and Forte Sharp Nine voicings. Yeah, for sure. That we talked about a few weeks ago. Just a lot of late era Super Nintendo vibes on the composition Definitely. of this one. Yes, 100%. <laughs> And it's it's cool to feel that linkage. And some of that, coming from a Western perspective, it's like it's hard to necessarily pin down influences for a composer from Japan because it's like my inclination, because I think I'm way more familiar with game music, is to hear the influences as coming from other games, yet they could come from all aspects of music within the culture. And I think that's what's sort of interesting, is you can notice and pick apart certain harmonic and melodic similarities. And, you know, we as lovers of game music might assume that it comes from a shared appreciation or, um, in this case, you know, with somebody like Ando, just being um, on that Mount Rushmore of that era... Uh, you know, he, he was, he was kind of a really influential voice in, I think how we think of that quintessential style, that 16 bit. Yeah, he's, Super he's Nintendo one of my style. very favorite game composers. I gotta say, yeah, Will, you would love these, uh, these treasure stages are moments where the gameplay is a little bit faster, more run and gun. Um, and I was really feeling it because one thing that I have an issue with Kirby games is just the slower pace. Cause like coming from Mario, which is one of my favorite series to play, it's definitely a lot faster. Uh, so Kirby is a little bit slower. So these, these treasure stages were kind of like that really anti sonic, right? <laughs> it's ironic, but, but what's interesting is if you compare the music from Sonic one to the first Kirby game, there's way more energy in Kirby than yeah. there is in the music of Sonic. And I think that's, you know, at when composing in media, oftentimes our job is to not just do exactly what is happening on screen, but to kind of almost in the same yeah, way the tempos where, are like they're faster in Kirby games when maybe they don't need to be. Well, sometimes. Right. And I think it's because sometimes when you're making an arrangement or creating a piece of music, you're you're looking for what's the element that's not there that you can complement it with. Uh, and I think when writing music for a film or television or video game, sometimes it's like, okay, this scene is really slow or this part of the game feels sort of boring. What can the music do to make it feel like, oh, time is passing quicker or it's more well, energetic yeah, and, or I'm and having more fun. I think people... People forget that some of the best Sonic tracks are not fast right. at all. I mean, I love the slow and funky Sonic tracks, even if you're blurring by the screen. All right, uh, let's play another Ice Stage theme. This one's so good. It's another Ando composition. It's Metro on Ice.
Holy moly, I love this track. It gives me a little bit of Tomoya Tomita vibes. I gotta say, the ice stage music in this game. <laughs> really, some highlights of the whole score. Metro on Ice, composed by Ando. Love the eclecticism in the instrumentation. Again, that funky bass writing. Oh, just masterful. Love this track. And I love the the groove of it because, you know, it's in 4-4, four, yeah. four, but it, it has that feeling of like 6-8 plus two extra eighth notes. You know, yeah, for one, sure. two, three, well, one, and, two, three, and then one, part two. of that groove will the appeal of this track is the simplicity and the long, simple rhythms of the melody combined with the really funky busyness happening in the drums and bass. It's a really cool combination. Mm-hmm. Like this is a track that's like it's all about the, you know, elements of it being simple and then elements of it being complex and when you put it all together. Oh, it's just so appealing. I mean, that contrast is such a key with music. Um, having pairing a busy element with a sparse as in, with a sparse element, you know, pairing a diatonic melody with chromatic harmony, pairing you know a fast A section with a slow and lyrical yeah. B section. I mean, there's so many ways of achieving contrast, but that's almost it's really it's hard to say that there's any one principle that every piece of music need to need abide by uh, but it's not necessarily a rule but i think it's just sort of inevitable that contrast is usually pretty central to an effective piece of music well do you have my opinion on this i kind of feel like here we're seeing ando Slightly nod to Tomoyo Tomito's work in Kirby's epic yarn. I mean, especially the section with the piano. It's so charming and just soft and comforting. Uh, there, I don't know. It just There are a couple of moments, actually, in the score where it feels like maybe they're kind of giving some nods to, to what he did in epic yarn. Yeah, epic yarn or woolly world. Like It, it very much feels like the, that musical style, both in terms of the composition, the, the voicing of those sort of piano chords, these beautiful jazzy extensions, but also the production that everything feels kind of dry and heavily compressed and punchy Mm -hmm. limited in your face like that that kind of feeling yeah man that's a that's a standout track but it's also it's kind of like who influences who you know Tomoya Tamita I I'm pretty sure is younger than Hirokazu Ando and I imagine in any case was influenced by the music of Kirby when working on that title so it's fun to hear that sort of back and forth where now you're getting one of the original Kirby composers writing music that's inspired Can you by the, the next, new, newer guys. If thing. the next Kirby game, they, they also brought in Tomoya Tamita, that would be such a dream because I got to say, I do love his unique style in the Kirby and the Yoshi series. I just, I basically, and I just, Wario. I really missed Tomoya you can't Tamita's forget music. Wario Land. Can't Shake forget it. Wario. Uh, we're gonna we gotta play some music from Yuki Shimuka, who also did some great work in the score. Let's play a track they composed, Isolated Isles, Forgo Dreams.
as you guys are hearing, the rest of this playlist is not all going to be all fun games. <laughs> We're going to have some intensity, but as you're hearing here, it's still going to be a really fun time as well. This is Isolated Isles Forgo Dreams, composed by Yuki Shimuka. Everything we're playing today is from Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which came out quite recently for the Switch, and if you haven't played this game, you should definitely do it. It's really fun. The soundtrack is probably my favorite element of the game, but I like everything about it. Yeah, I mean, you said it's not all fun in games, but even when you're in danger in a Kirby title, it is all fun in games. Let's it's be honest. It's a blast at all times, yeah. <laughs> da, 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 yeah, we da, have da, some da, nice da, da, battle yeah. music coming up um, on the playlist. And, and actually, that was really hard. There's some of the highest rated tracks for me when I was going through uh, our battle tracks, and, and I didn't want to overload the playlist with those <laughs> so I tried to have a good balance um, but there's some killer intense tracks that um, I had to cut from from this playlist yeah really great and I love hearing this sort of action composition given um, mm -hmm. a, a lovely Kirby treatment with plenty of xylophone flutes and you know violins it's adorable. and it's it, that <laughs> sort of cutesy saccharine Style. I mean, it, it's very specific. It's really specific. There's but it's a, still taken seriously. A, this is a great composition. Yeah, well, I think the compositional process is taken seriously, but the music doesn't take itself seriously. Like, I, no. I think that's the distinction is it's not pretentious music. It's like the most unpretentious music imaginable. Yet the, the quality of the composition, um, though you may not necessarily appreciate it at first because i think we're so used <laughs> to um just consuming music maybe and not appreciating a lot of the subtleties and nuances that go into making something like that because you know like right. we've talked about easy to listen to does not mean easy to make and complex to listen to does not mean complex to make sometimes something that seems really complicated and inaccessible is much easier to create than something like this that is a very generous but sort of showboaty um entertaining kind of vaudeville approach to mm. to composition yeah there, there's a lot of ways uh in which the four composers that scored forgotten land really knocked things out of the park but one of the most impressive things is how they're all on the same page i mean it's like there's plenty of Shimuka tracks that are very different and kind of exploring different facets of the score. And then there's plenty that feel like classic Kirby. And so it feels like they all have opportunities on the score to go outside of what we've heard in the Kirby series before. And they also have opportunities to just do classic Kirby stuff. Uh, let's play another Treasures track. This is Forgo's Treasures, composed by Ando. Here we go.
so good. You guys are listening to Forgo's Treasures. This is composed by Hirokazu Ando. Love these Treasures tracks. Uh, yeah, this this one has a killer synth lead instrument. It's really snarly and hard hitting. Yeah, this is this is a cool track. This this actually reminds me a little bit of uh, some of Ando's work on Robobot. Um, and and I hear that in, in some of the battle tracks too. I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of some of that music. Um, someone was asking me the other day, like, would I prefer this uh, or Robobot? And it's really hard for me to pick. I love both of these scores, maybe equally. They're, they're very different, but man, this is good. Yeah, I love some of these synth tones. I, I think I might even recognize some uh, Omnisphere patches in there, but Omnisphere is be. a really great comprehensive... I, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a, a synth plugin, but it also has. T- it's also a sampler and has tons yeah. of um, useful patches, useful sounds. And, yeah, it's great. It's kind of comparable to something like Massive, uh, except it's even more massive if you can believe it. Uh, but yeah, I wow, love this what track. A great I piece love of music. There's some really cool classical moments um, in the the changes, especially in like the end of the form. Um, yeah, there's uh, this track. It's, it's weird because if you were to play this part of it on the piano and especially the chord progression, it'd be kind of sad and very serious. Um, but it's just so playful and busy with the, the rhythm section and just all the little twinkly colors going on. So it's a really cool combination. It's, again, very high energy and a lot of fun, but there's an intensity and a sadness to it as well. What's so cool about this to me is production-wise, this nails the aesthetic of the kind of fusion music that you know the VGM sound is really born out of. Yeah. This is this sounds exactly like the kind of music, you know, Ando and Ishikawa would have been inundated with, you know, and probably grew up loving in Japan in the 70s and 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. And we we know the kind of influence that music of this sort has had on games. And so it's so cool to kind of come full circle and to have modern video games that can use this aesthetic with intention and be able to execute it in that way where it's kind of like an arrangement that predates games. Yet there's this like multiple layers of reference and almost kind of an in-joke because it's like... To mm-hmm. me, when I hear this, the the first thing I think of is games. I don't think, you know, 70s oh, yeah. jazz fusion. I think classic Yeah, and there were opportunities, music. I got to say, on this score for Ando to really do his thing. And some of this music that he composed really reminds me of his work. Let's just say in the past three or so Kirby entries, uh, there's a lot of really energetic, exciting, electronic, zany music, and it was really cool that he got to do quite a bit of it. Now, this track that we're moving on to was another highlight for me. It's one of my very favorites in, in the whole score. It's called Faded Dream of a Psycho Meddler. It's again composed by Ando. It's very beautiful, but it rocks. Please enjoy.
Banger alert, folks. This is Faded Dream of a Psycho Meddler by Ando. It's one of the best tracks in the score and one of the best Kirby themes I've heard in a long time. It's so Yeah, good. I mean, it's I crazy. feel like were it's we not... very fusion and proggy. Were we not trying to be so charitable to the new composers? I mean, this is this is the real track of the week. I mean, but... Yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't have to... I mean, I this is just so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it, on every track. level. The the harmonic daring, the confidence with the arrangement. I love the drums. I love the groove. I love all the melodic rhythms. And the presentation of this, like, nothing about it I would change. I mean, yeah. it's just so hard-hitting, so entertaining. And yeah, Will said it earlier. It's like, even when we're rocking out and when we're faced with a battle or some sort of intensity... In the Kirby world, it's just you're always having such a good time, and you're almost always smiling too. Yeah, I mean, and what I love about game music when it's in a style akin to this is that it really feels like you can't stuff any more pleasure into a piece of music than is here. It's like every solitary <laughs> second has some interesting ear candy to listen to. Every chord change is either satisfying or surprising. Um, it, it either yeah. one of those two. There's no moment where it's boring. There's no moment. It, it's like it's either predictable in a way that's satisfying or it's surprising in a way that's satisfying. It's never boring and it's never awkwardly, you know, playing the wrong note just to throw you off. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that right. perfect balance of energetic in your face and it has the right mix of complexity and simplicity in all of its elements so true well let's play two back-to-back shimuka compositions uh the first of which is a battle and the second is a really nice stage theme this is versus psychic power given form Amazing writing. You guys are listening to Versus Psychic Power Given Form, composed by Yuki Shimuka. Again from the Forgotten Land. This is outstanding. It's really exciting and kind of filmic. It feels like, I don't know, the stakes are so high on this. Well, in referencing themes established in this game, uh, it's no coincidence in another Shimuka track, but the main... Uh, thematic idea in in this piece is the b section of the isolated isles forego dreams yeah there's a lot of that in the score i mean the main theme that ogasawara for example wrote is used all over the game too Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's great to have that sort of thematic undercurrent in a video game. It's something that surprisingly was not really a large part of video games in the 80s and 90s. And I think it's because there was just so much repetition already. I mean, most pieces of video game music were like 15 to 30 second loops already. So it's kind of like... Yeah. And for instance... Let, let's say we're talking about the Legend of Zelda overworld. You know, you, you're basically going to hear that anytime you're outside in the entire game. And so it's like you don't necessarily need that called back to a bunch of times. Though they still are. They're still, you know, that in that example, you know, at any time you collect a piece of the Triforce, there's hinting at, you know, a statement of the main theme. And Koji Kondo's always so good about making his all of his functional music, all of the jingles or the short little stingers, composing them out of the DNA of the main piece of music. Mm-hmm. Um, or almost like as though the death jingle is like an ending to, you know, the main composition yeah, that or was, something. That was one of my favorite elements, actually, playing the game and hearing the music is how they incorporated themes uh, and, and used them in different ways. I think they did a perfect, they struck a perfect balance of that. Now, this is one of my favorite stage themes in the game. It's called Moonlight Canyon. And it's basically <laughs> Kirby's on a Western here. It's it's kind of like Wild Arms meets Kirby. It's really good. It's another Shimuka composition. Enjoy. You guys are listening to Moonlight Canyon, such a great, uh, and, and it's a pretty popular stage theme. A lot of people I've been seeing online really feeling this one. Yeah, I got to say one more time, it was hard to, to whittle the soundtrack because there's so much great music and a lot of it is on the, a, a similar level. I mean, there are some standouts to me that were just above everything else, such as, uh, <laughs> you know, that Faded Dream track, such as that Northeast Frost track. Definitely some clear some clear highlights but uh yeah this this is a really solid stage team and there's other plenty of others that we don't have time for today so look forward to us uh revisiting some of this music in in future episodes will what are your thoughts on this track it's an it's a nice it's a very unique stage theme in this game going for a very particular idiom well what i think is cool about a track like this the lead sheet of it if you were just going to condense it to the principal a and b section is something I could imagine on the Nintendo 64 or 
honestly, mm-hmm. even the NES, like it's it's a very gamey, classic sounding melodic piece. Its appeal are um, they? It's sort of those elements that hit you over the head. It's not about subtlety, and it's not really about the production. It's just the underlying mm-hmm. composition. And this is a piece of kind music of that is evoking rhythm. cliche um, for an intentional purpose. Uh, but what's interesting about a track like this being executed in the present day, as opposed to the way it might have been done a number of decades ago, is if you notice, even though this piece of music has to loop, it has this long continuous form with multiple key changes, modulations in it. And that's something that I think is so cool. And it's almost essential in a score like this where there's so much harmonic daring. I think uh, as listeners, we very quickly become desensitized to things like really dense, surprising harmonies. And so if you have a soundtrack that has a lot of it, you know, upon first listen, it might be really effective, but the 15th time, you just start to get numb to Mm. it. And so what's cool about this track is it seems like every time we get to a new section, we modulate into it. Yeah, and and that's another example of getting so much more mileage. Uh, The score does it a lot. You know, this this piece of music on the soundtrack is 4 minutes, 32 seconds, and so it's it's quite a long form. And even if you think you know what the piece is, it's it's still going to have more more gas in its tank. It's just yeah, yeah. That's probably one of the most solid stage themes. I gotta say, it's really really fun stuff. This is another knockout track, a standout for sure. A lot of people have uh, been saying they're enjoying this track. It's the Battle of Blizzard Bridge, also a really fun stage. Uh, this is composed by Hirokazu Ando. Here we go. You guys are listening to the Battle of Blizzard Bridge, which is actually a stage. Um, there's a lot of battling that happens in it. Uh, it's it's so cool. Yeah, this was a real cool moment musically. I mean, it's maybe the most kind of free, improvisatory, jazzy track maybe in the whole game. It's just really, really. It works so well in game. Yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. Yeah, great. I love all of the soloing. And, you know, we, we were just talking in the last track about how, um, and it isn't just harmony, but applies to all aspects of music and, and probably, uh, you know, exists in areas outside of music. Um, but the idea of like when you overdo something, you can kind of become numb to it. And yeah. I think 
I I feel that way about gratuitous solos. Like if this is the problem where I have of like I can listen to maybe 15 minutes of like serious bebop jazz and be engaged, mm-hmm. but after that point, I start to check out. And I think it's the same with if I'm listening to a violin concerto. I can maybe be focused I totally on it get that. for a certain amount of time, but after a while, all the notes just start to sound like they run together. And I totally get and that. And so I yeah. like that's why judicious use of that kind of element can be so effective because it gives some freshness to the score. It gives this vitality and this percolating sense of life. Like this music is happening right now. It's spontaneous. Yeah, it's just a specific effect and it's just injected at the right times. Yeah, you're totally right. And so if you look at a whole score, it's super effective because there's really no other track quite like this that has this much you know soloing um but even even within one track i mean my favorite use of soloing is probably uh something like more closer to funk music where you have a specific head you have a specific groove that is uh very digestible and appealing and then you have a solo section and you come back to it and so yeah i mean having something that goes on for 12 minutes and it's all just free that whole time i'm with you i mean i i can kind of check out from that as well well and i think everyone has a a different level of where that happens for them and it on different aspects Uh of music for some people maybe their eyes glaze over when they listen to any piece of classical music even if it's really like tuneful or what I would think is like accessible and same with jazz. It's like some people, they can just sort of get enveloped in the sound and just be present emotionally there. I think for me, Hmm. I, because I, I think I probably, um, I over intellectualize music. Like I, I try to break it down and I'm paying attention to all the little elements and that just gets Mm -hmm. exhausting when there's so much going on for such a long period of time. Um, right. If you can surrender that kind of music isn't meant, isn't meant for that either. Yeah. So I, I totally get that. All right, guys, we're approaching the end here. We have (laughs) decisive battle, ultimate Z, another Ando composition. Here we go.
You guys are listening to Decisive Battle, Ultimate Z, and uh, we're ending our episode by playing out with yet another Ando composition. So yeah, he made a lot of music <laughs> that made this playlist. Uh, we're, we're playing out with Scattered Souls Across Isolated Isles, and I would say this is just a taste of the outstanding music that was composed for Kirby in the Forgotten Land. It was so fun to focus on this, and it was the perfect time to do this, what we're calling Mercado Classic, an episode where we go back to the classic format of this podcast. Yeah, when this game came out and when I was playing it and hearing it, I was like calling Will. I was like, we got to do an episode on this. It's just too good not to. So glad Absolutely. we were able to. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, we can't always hold off until Nintendo Month to do a great <laughs> Nintendo soundtrack. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I was. I thought. I thought about that. I was like, ah, maybe we should wait. But I honestly, just couldn't. I was just too excited. So yeah, great job to all four of these composers, and I look forward to hearing the future work of Ogasawara as well as Shimuka, and hopefully, um, Ishikawa and Ando don't go anywhere too, because man, they still have a lot of gas left in their tank. One more time, we're going to play you guys out with Scattered Souls Across Isolated Isles. When you guys are listening to this episode, um, my recent album, Dreams Aligned, just came out. So if you haven't checked that out, you should do that either on Bandcamp or on my YouTube. Um, Anything else you got to plug, Will? I want to make some personal public plugs, not for any of my stuff, but just for things I want you to experience because I, I know you haven't yet. I need you, Carl, to watch Kyle Mooney's Saturday Morning All Star Hits. I have. On I've started actually. We got to. We got to talk about oh, it. Good. I've seen. I think maybe like five, five or so episodes. Okay, that's one thing. And the second it's thing amazing. is they recently released an update to Metroid Dread that has a yeah, toned down that. difficulty setting. So I've been replaying mm-hmm. it on that. And you know, I've played the game on the easy and hard difficult, or not easy, but the normal and hard difficulties. Mm-hmm. And playing the easy one, it's still a fair challenge. Like I, I actually think yeah. they should have made this easy one the standard default. Yeah, like it feels more totally. comparable to other Metroid games. But I think you're gonna love it. Like it's it's very well balanced. I'll definitely have to do that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's absolutely worth it. Will's plugs are are just like TV shows well, and popular this, video this games. This has become our way of being able to catch up with each other. So I feel mm-hmm. like, oh, dude. Also, there's something else I want to plug. Uh, a great Fred Armisen on SNL sketch. Uh, it's just mm. look up Fred Armisen one man show. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, he did oh, that. So reminds good. me of his monologue he did a long time ago when he was right. <laughs> talking about doing a one man show. Right, right, it's right. It's, it's similar to That's that. So but this is Fred. a sketch that he did. Um, like it was actually a produced thing back when he was in the cast. And it's that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. It's delightful. Well, guys, enjoy this one more track from Forgotten Land. Thanks for joining us. As always, my name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. (laughs) 